0: Let's link up with Krista on The Fix. She's a wellness coach with a focus on mental well-being and physical strength. Y'all, what's up? It is Krista. I am back. If you are listening to this live, which people will not be, it is November eighteenth. I am with my guy, Chris Wilson. This is a blast from the past of an interview, and I am super excited to one just to reconnect with Chris by way of introduction. And I will give him the floor in just a second. But Chris came into my life at a time when I just moved to Charlotte. I did not know like any friends, anything like that. I think I had just broken up with a boyfriend. I'm pretty sure. Or it was like, yeah, I had. And the person who I was dating at the time wanted me to have like nothing to do with fitness. I don't even know if you know this about me, but I'll I'll share it with you. Um, so he was very controlling in like what I did and where I went and the gym was not a place that he wanted me to go. So I kind of struggled to figure out like what type of community in terms of fitness I wanted to be a part of when I moved here. And Don't know if you remember him, but Alvin Robinson is the reason why I came to Burn Boot Camp. So I met him. Yeah. I met him at the Y (laughs) and he saw me working out. We went to Chuck's class together. My guy, Chuck Walker, who is my personal trainer, always will be the number one guy. And he said to me, He's like, You gotta come to this place, Burn Boot Camp. And I Googled it and I was like, The shit's for moms, it can't be hard. And I think that's most people's reaction. And then I decided to go, it was free on Saturdays at the time, it's not anymore. I don't know if you knew that, but they took that away. And I walk in and I see you standing at the front of the room. And I'm like, shit, this dude's going to fuck me up. (laughs) And Chris is a former pro basketball player. I will let him share this part of his story because it's a pretty crazy journey. But I think you've learned a lot from that experience. Played at St. Joe's. What year did you graduate from there?
1: 2015.
0: Okay, 2015. So year above me graduated from there. And then did you immediately go right overseas to play basketball? I did. Okay. I so did. he immediately went overseas to play basketball. I will let him take the baton from there. But basically he was hands down to this day. And look, I've tried a lot of workouts and I'm going to gas you up when I say this, but I stand by the statement. <laughs> you're one of the best trainers that I've ever trained with, like honored to have trained with you because you taught me so much of what I know about being a coach. There's probably phrases that you said to me that I subconsciously have repeated on microphones more times than I can count. And I just, I don't think I ever got the chance to thank you because we we went separate ways in a really abrupt matter of time and beyond anyone's control and had nothing to do with the two of us, but you're awesome and you've changed oh, a lot of lives. And it, I mean it, it's... I, I know you. like I, when I took, so I wound up coaching at burn Elizabeth right after Chris was no longer part of the team. And like, I was honestly kind of devastated by that to not be able to have the chance to collaborate together. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that like, I just wanted to soak up all the knowledge that you had gained in the time that you were there and just like your mental approach to workouts, like forget programming. You're great at that. The workouts were always interesting. They're always hard as hell. You were great at matching people up based on fitness ability. I remember one time I took two of your camps in a row and I thought I wasn't going to be able to move my arms for three days. Like I have vivid memories of, it was like a tripod workout and I was sitting on the ledge of the front of burn Elizabeth and you, um, had passed me a set of dumbbells for either a chest press. I think it was a chest press, but it might've been like an Arnold or an overhead Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you made me go heavier, and you you're like, come on, you got two more reps. And I'm like, I literally don't, I've done this camp twice. (laughs) And you're like, nah, you got two more. And I did it. And like, it was that type of training. That I knew I wanted to institute with my clients when I had that opportunity. So such a like light of positivity and just like have such a respect for what you were able to do there in a really short amount of time and just know that like you left a pretty big legacy and huge shoes to fill. You're welcome, you. huge you. shoes to fill behind. So all that said, give me like I always pitch this to my um, interviews <clears throat> this way. Like if you had 45 seconds, the classic elevator pitch. Mm-hmm. Who is Chris Wilson? He's changed quite a bit. I think Man. in the last two years. So yeah. maybe let's do it in a two-parter. Tell me okay. who Chris Wilson was when I first met him because he got me hooked on Burn Boot Camp. Okay. And okay. then tell me who Chris Wilson is today, because you're definitely a different person. And I picked that up on it. I haven't seen you in two years. We've been together for maybe 20 minutes and I get a vibe. And it's a good one. It's nice. changed for the better, but nice. let's hear it.
1: Thank you. The Chris Wilson who you met in 2017 was all about like passion and drive. There was no such thing as no. And so um, the type of energy that I had in terms of fitness literally saved my life and it gave me a start in, the, in a world outside of sports. So I poured my all into it. And, I, and not only did I pour my all into gaining the knowledge, embodying my philosophies, but I wanted people to approach workouts with the same level of intensity, focus, and passion that I did regardless of what fitness level that they were on. So Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed empowering people and fitness was, is a great way to help a person transform their self image. And so um, whenever you met me, that's what I was, that's, that's all it was. It was like, you know, you can't, you can be whatever you want to be in this world once you earn your own respect and the gym's a great place for people to find themselves. I like that. Yeah. So
0: who's the, now let's speed up already three years later, which is mm-hmm. nuts. I know. Um, it's been a long time and a lot can change in a year. I've definitely seen that in my own life and I know you've seen that in yours. So who, who are you today? Like what's your new mission and how has that changed?
1: Well, I feel like it's, it is expanded. It expanded into entrepreneurship at first. And then it expanded into all of life itself, and that's really kind of been the the whole. The, it's been more of a, an expansion rather than a transformation. Cool. Like I, I like feel, that. I feel as though now, like that mindset of live uh, of earning your respect mm-hmm. or 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 living your truth has just transferred kind of like into into my entire life. So, trying to be purposeful with everything that I do, everyone that I talk to. And fitness is still a huge part of mm-hmm. that. But I think. I,
0: Coaching, right? Yeah, Tell right, us a little bit about right, that.
1: Right. So I get to work with high school young guys, kind of like mentorship. Cool. So we do, we do fitness. We do basketball training, help them with their nutrition. And, awesome. and uh, we spend time together, kind of like a, like a mentorship type deal. And um, so, so really just have, have expanded out.
0: That's awesome, yeah. and I love that word. Like, and if you guys can't tell from the first like five minutes of this recording, I I would say like of all of my podcasts so far, this will probably be one of the deeper ones. I feel <laughs> like just because of the history of the relationship that the two of us have, um, having shared job experiences, having been in the same type of roles, having both worked in corporate America, shifting in and out of it, so mm-hmm. lots of parallels. We're basically the same age; you're a year older than I am, and so I think that like we'll be able to. Jam on a lot of different levels in this conversation, in comparison to some of my other interviews that I'm interviewing people who might be really different than me in certain ways. So, uh, and Chris just usually has like those kind of like good one liners or like what I like to call—I don't know if you've read this book yet, but it's come up on every one of my podcasts. So I highly recommend um, Matthew McConaughey's Green Lights. It's no put it on the list. All right, recommend Audible just because his voice is so attractive (laughs) and it's way better when he reads it. Okay. But okay, okay. Um, it's really good. So you would like it because I feel like the way he writes and talks is very similar to come like kind of some of your outlooks on life. And I guarantee that now that I've brought it up, you're going to make a comment and i will be like, yeah, green lights. He talks about that. So hold me to it. And in about 10 you minutes, we'll check flattery. in on that. Yeah. Okay. So okay. no, it's a great book. Going to ask you about this later, but he is big into journaling and has actually journaled every day since he was 14 years old. Wow. And so that's how the book was written. He went into like the desert for like two months and just basically was alone with his thoughts. Reread every journal that he's ever kept and written and put the book together that way. That's Figured amazing. out how to like reorganize, reorder, tell the story, yeah, what topics amazing. he wanted to hit on. So it's pretty cool. So anyway, we'll get back to Matthew yeah, in a little yeah, bit. Yeah, but, yeah, that
1: sounds dope. So
0: the first question I ask all of my guests, aside from who, el- who the hell are you, is what is your coffee order? If you follow me on Instagram, I'm a big coffee drinker. I got a dog. Her name is Bean. Because of the coffee bean, right? But I have a feeling you don't drink coffee.
1: I do. Oh, you do. I do. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was nitro, nitro, you to nitro be, cold brews, right, and classic. I've been black. From where like nothing. I know the
0: answer in Charlotte. Where's your go-to spot?
1: And Charlotte, my go-to spot right now is the Hobbyist.
0: I knew you were gonna say lo- that. Lo- you got, I a, you got the, a Hobbyist vibe.
1: I, lo- I love, I love the people over there. It's a vibe. Yeah. And catch me at the Hobbyist. If like you every morning. saw
0: Chris in 2018, 19 or twenty eighteen, we'll say you could catch him at Central Coffee because that was oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah, I was great. Always time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you drink your coffee black?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay.
0: Straight up, nothing in it. Straight up, ice. No ice.
1: No ice if they ask me. Okay. But I ain't picky. Okay. But that ice, all I'm right. still good. <laughs> and are
0: you of the camp that will drink iced coffee in 30 degree weather?
1: It doesn't matter. I'm with you. It doesn't matter. I'm with you.
0: <laughs> yeah. I actually don't fuck with hot coffee like at all. Yeah. I really prefer iced. I don't know why. I just do. Yeah. Um, so if it's a degrees. But I will say, I
1: will say I've just been introduced to chai, to warm chai. Nice.
0: Okay. <sighs> catching feelings I don't for know. it i am i am. I, <laughs> am I feel
1: like i feel like i'm being unfaithful to my nature uh-oh. so uh-oh okay turning into a bit of a All love right. triangle <laughs> okay
0: so you got two in rotation yeah. i mean i know that from my habits as a trainer at burn boot camp and just a trainer in general my coffee addiction was real strong and we had a joke like on my trainer desk you could typically see four cups there were two waters a tea at least one thing of coffee sometimes five And then um, always like a cold version of that coffee and then another one on the way. And usually the trainer who coached after me, um, one of my friends, Natasha, used to bring me coffee when uh, she would come in for the 830 camp. And we were right next to Starbucks at Elizabeth. So that shit was dangerous. I know,
1: I know, I know. And thank God. But once I stopped there, I didn't, I drink a lot more coffee now. Yeah. Probably too much, but.
0: It's all right. Whatever we here, we're kicking. Yeah, we if we get an ulcer later, we'll, we'll know where it came from. But cool. All right, so let's get into it. I like to freestyle on my podcast. So let's when go. I ask you a question, I'm going to let you take freestyle the floor. like rap. I you wish oh, Dude, you can freestyle rap if you want. I don't know if you have that skill set, but that is not me. Um, but I like to just kind of ask the questions and let it ride. I usually work in chronological order, from the sense that like if you say something, I'm going to take a couple notes and just see if. That that prompts any other questions. All so right, let's, go. let's start off with, you know, working in the fitness industry or actually I'm going to back up. So Chris kind of ran over this real quick and you can give me as much or as little information as you want to, but I'll kind of give it context
1: sure, sure.
0: when Chris was overseas and please correct me if any of these facts are not right. But when Chris was overseas, he unfortunately suffered a pretty serious injury that put him in the hospital and required surgery. Is that Right.
1: That is quite true.
0: Yes. And as a very awful side effect of that surgery, you developed, should I call it an infection or what?
1: Um, it, An autoimmune yeah. disease for yeah. sure. So yeah.
0: he developed an autoimmune disease and that really completely kind of, I don't want to use the dis- word destroyed. Let's just say- sidelined him, um, from a lot of the things that he wanted to do and definitely cut his basketball career short. And he had to come back to the U S and completely rebuild. So tell me what that experience was like in terms of where that led you on your next path. Because I think if anyone met you, if anybody's watching this video or you're not, I will describe what Chris looks like. He is a, how tall are you? I don't even know. Six three. Okay, he's six three. He's covered in tats, and he currently has paint all over his <laughs> wrist and his um, forearm a little bit. And he, since I've last seen him, he's acquired a few piercings. I like the look. You look good. Thank um, you. Thank he's you. ripped as hell, of course. <laughs> Not that that was like ever a cause for concern for anyone. He's always been in the best shape ever. Uh, he's changed his hair up a little bit. I kind of miss. I kind of miss the flow.
1: Me too. I kind of miss
0: too. it. He had a re- really nice curly mop Uh, and I think it should come back. It just won't. Why? Yeah, yeah, I know. You shaved it and the rest was history? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah,
0: Damn. Oh, wow. I'm
1: a little seasoned now. I know. know. Yeah,
0: but you look like he looks older (laughs) in a good way, in a good way. Yeah, he had to get all professional on us. I I like a little bit. Yeah, had to grow up a little bit, but you still got that baby face. You look good. Um, Always a big smile, always positive energy, positive vibes, but yeah, tell me what that was like and how that led you. I, I described you for this reason. I think you were the last person, and maybe you are even the last person who thought this yourself, that would have wound up at, say, a burn boot camp as a trainer because for, for sure. those of you who don't know, um, burn is geared towards, I made the joke earlier, specifically geared towards a mom in middle-aged 30s, I'd say, like 30, 32, yeah, yeah. maybe a little younger, yeah, has so. one or two kids. We call her Sally for sake of this example mm-hmm. and the marketing purposes that burn uses. And she might be a stay-at-home mom, likely is, maybe not, depends on the demographic and the area you're located in. But basically, it's the type of woman who puts everyone, and I think this is many women, um, puts everyone else first besides herself. So Burn Boot Camp was the place for her to throw her kid and child watch for 45 minutes, not have to worry if she walked in five minutes late, not have to worry if there's fucking throw up on her tank because her child Mm -hmm. had an episode in the car and she got to work out with like-minded women who just needed less than an hour to feel like themselves and to boot might've been working out next to somebody who had a very different fitness level than them, but was able to be in an environment that was a no judgment zone. And like, that's a true statement. It's not a cliche. That was the part that I loved about burn that I could Mm -hmm. not duplicate Mm -hmm. anywhere else. Mm -hmm. So so, mm-hmm. how how did someone such as yourself find himself in that job?
1: Well, whenever I applied, I had I had no idea. Did you even know? Yeah, did had you had no just see the word boot was, camp? Right, right. And I just thought it looked cool and um but yeah, I I gravitated towards fitness because um it was my own fitness was the bit of control I had over my situation mm-hmm. with basketball ending and kind of recovering from a disease that I had never even heard of. I was just looking for some sort of like sign of momentum and okay. finding finding health and momentum. fitness. Like right, that. right. So, like, I mean, you know, I had I had lifted weights and done all the fitness stuff, uh, complementary to being a basketball player. But I kind of hated working out in that fashion. I was mm-hmm. I just did it because basketball you players to. needed to do it. Right. I grew a love for it whenever I just got more thankful of. You know, just being able to have a body that could move a little bit, and so. But over the years, my relationship with even what happened in Germany has changed a lot. I mean, I'm. I wouldn't have had it happen any other way now, and I feel like I feel like in 2017 it was like kind of like a bounce back situation where the like back. Right, right, but I don't, I don't really feel that way anymore. You know, I mean, or I'd say I my view on it is just like changed yeah it got me you know that chapter was over and it was time to to evolve and one one great thing about like going into fitness at 23 was that I was able to immediately start having like an an impact on people and you know I remember you
0: saying that too like I think I asked you that question like why do you like this job because at the time I was thinking about leaving my desk and I'm pretty sure you gave me the same exact answer
1: I mean, it's really as a as a fitness professional, you get to see people in like a true form mm-hmm. o- outside of their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. I won't say it's like as intimate as therapy, but no. but you get to see people struggle, and you you learn a lot about people. and um, And so to help to help people overcome, I would say it was great. It was great to see that I could do that, you know, outside of the context of sport or whatever. But also too, I feel like it was just huge for me. It was, it was, it was huge for me to have like a transfer of energy and to let it be something positive. So that's awesome. So, yeah.
0: Nice. I like that. Um, and to that end, like what was two part question, biggest surprise from working in that environment, working at burn, working with women in the capacity that you did and, just your biggest takeaway overall like what's the biggest lesson that you got from that experience on the floor there's so many so maybe you want to give me two I don't know but like what was the from the journey of like if you could look back and watch a video of the first camp that you ever trained compared to how you would approach one today what do you think you would see in so yourself? what I
1: learned just in terms of like the two biggest lessons in terms of coaching
0: yeah do you could do coaching or you could even just do in terms of being a lead trainer and like really managing a business because you had a lot of responsibility in that role i think we can both agree on that
1: i feel like
0: you were i feel like as
1: a i feel like as a as a leadership figure Mm -hmm. like especially of a of a unit like that i feel like you are the culture so like whatever you you are the culture so so from the top down the the other trainers around you the clients your energy, your vibe, your approach, your programming, the standards that you set, your, your ability to remain like consistent to the standards, mm-hmm. whether it's like wh- where the weight goes, are people allowed to stop on three, two, or yeah. do they have to really stop when it's on one yeah. and over? Every little thing, you get a great mirror and you get a very true mirror whenever you have a small or large group that is, like, trusting you. And so, like, you are the culture. So every little thing that you do matters a lot.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. I think that's huge. I think that's, like – and I think for people like us, I think we picked up on that and are perceptive to that pretty quickly. And so it was kind of cool for me because I never thought about it like that. But now reflecting on the experience, um, it was the work that you did, Lindsay, Kyle, everybody else that was on the staff at the time – And throughout my experiencing. Experience there, like transitioning from a train from a client to a trainer, and then having to teach coaches and train coaches who had never been trainers there. Mm-hmm. This really comes to light. So, yeah, yeah, it's this sure. whole idea of like, first, I saw the standard that was set at Elizabeth that I knew I want to take this, 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 and that and bring it over to South Park mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Second piece of it was, how do I get someone to grasp the uniqueness, the special environment, like the true way of what you said, like we stop on one. Like what kind of language do you need to use to then coach a trainer to continue to instill that even after you're gone? Like I I hope that what I said at the beginning of this podcast recording, like it makes you feel good because it's like, okay, the times when I was annoying to a client and was like, nope, like even if it was in a jokey kind of way, you're like, nope, you stop on one. I said five. I'm going to say five again. Like that sort of stuff where you get to bring your flavor and your spiciness and your personality Mm -hmm. and flair it never left. And I think that's a testament to also to the brand overall and that damn 35 point checklist. And that fact that like, there aren't a lot of other gyms out there that are doing that but I also think I took it for granted. Like I got mm-hmm. to see you train. I got to see the way Kyle trained. I didn't really train many camps with Lindsay prior to just cause I was working and she usually taught at like nine 30, but um staying with Bryson and, and a lot of the other people that walked through there. Like you don't realize how much you pick up just by being a client and like being around it and absorbing it. And not to say that it's easy because jokingly uh, we used to say that I was like cursed with Tabata because the first four <laughs> times I ever trained there just cause of my schedule I had Tabata every single time, and those are fun ones. They're fun ones, but as you know, it's a lot to manage a clock and also be present. Yeah, I and definitely
1: think having to be that uh, right, on, right, especially in the beginning, that's really hard.
0: Yes, so I was like paralyzed by the clock because mm. I, I've quickly learned fuck twenty ten just make it 40-20 in terms of the work-to-rest ratio because that bought me some time. But it's the whole like sentiment of like, oh, we're on trainer time, so 40 seconds is actually 60 if we're we're spilling the secret sauce. Um, But it was really difficult to try to correct client's form, circulate throughout the floor, and then also peer down at my watch to be like, shit, 20 seconds is up. So it threw me into the gauntlet real quick. And I think that the standard of training there, and I've talked to other trainers about this since having left, like, It's very high, and it's not a bad thing, though, because then it allows you to go to another studio and be like, yo, this is the way I train.
1: Right. I mean, I truly feel like the concept and the variety of Mm -hmm. of fitness that you're going to get at, like, a burn boot camp, you could go anywhere else. I, I really feel that. So
0: true. Sure. It's such a good, like, no matter where you take it, whether that's to become an owner, franchisee, you know, maybe even leave fitness and just run some other sort of business. Like, mm-hmm. I think that it is so intense right at the gate that it makes you have a confidence in yourself that like you're a professional multitasker. For sure. Right.
1: For sure. That
0: and a therapist. And you kind of got to the heart of this one, but like people in my family joke that I'm not an empathetic person and I like to disagree because and maybe I'm just not empathetic to the people I love the most and I can do it with strangers <laughs> I don't know but I'm sure you can attest at that kind of job and it's not specific to any gym it's just as a true trainer if you're a good coach I think the difference between an okay one and a good one is one who's an empath and can express empathy because sure. and I don't know if you struggled with this so I'd love to ask you this question we're both young. I worked there when I was twenty four through age twenty six. You were there, um you know, tw- even younger than that, twenty three to twenty five right? right? Yeah. Right. How was it? There's twofold for you because you're male. What was it like for you to, and to give context, uh, we did these sessions called focus meetings that were basically like 10. They usually turned out to be shorter because they were back-to-back with camps. But how did you do a focus meeting and try to relate to a woman who was telling you, I don't have time to cook. I don't really give a shit about this macro thing that you're talking to me about. And I just want to know how to lose weight. But by the way, I eat off of all of my kids' plates because I don't make food for myself first. How did you get to their level without them pushing back? Like there were times and I had to learn to bite my tongue and I'm sure you were in this situation and maybe you weren't and I'd be interested to hear if you weren't, why you think that is, where women would say to me, you're 24, you don't have kids, so you just don't get it what what did you do when you were like when when you found uh, that yeah
1: i mean i really feel like it could have been tougher for you in that mm-hmm. position because you are you are a younger female without kids for me i really just needed to be a good listener and how mm-hmm. i was able to provide how i was able to provide like thoughtful and effective feedback was just like well i've met with with 5 or 600 people just like you. So what I'm telling you is not what I think you should do because it works for me. It's like, this is the, this, this has worked for the 500. Right, right, right. So I was able to help them understand, like I was able to draw the um, comparisons or an understanding of what they're going through to the hundreds of other women who I talk to that are going through the same thing. So I actually feel like it was probably easier for me than
0: you. No, I I not surprised. That's why I kind of threw that caveat in there because Mm -hmm. I think for me it's like the sentiment for these women—they're looking at me like, "Damn, I had all that Mm -hmm. when I was 24 and didn't have my husband and my Mm two-year-old." So it's like this, like longing for what could have been. But on the flip side, my takeaway: first of all, that job was the best fucking birth control you could ever imagine. (laughs) (laughs) But other than that, like it definitely made me realize like okay it's very easy as a mom the helm of the household also a businesswoman like i had i, I definitely you could definitely agree with this cuz we shared a lot of clients about across locations like where we are in the world being on the east coast the city that we're in like all that jazz we had a lot of working moms who had full-time jobs had two little kids were still trying to find time to work out like we were just talking about one way right before we started this call attorney had a badass job, was in peak physical condition, but she worked hard as hell. And mm-hmm. guess what? The differentiator for her, and I know this because she put it on her Instagram, she liked to cook food and she made, this is the coolest part about it. She helped her kids become a part of that experience. Mm-hmm. And so if I had to guess, I would bet my money that her daughter is going to have a very good relationship with physical activity and food because her mom didn't make it as something that was like, oh, I'm just going to like, and no knock to moms who need to do this because look, you get busy. I get it. Like, I don't really love to cook. My method of cooking is like throw shit in a bowl and combine the macros accordingly and eat i'm not sitting there slinging recipes like the person i'm speaking about and i admire her for doing that and somehow having a full-time job so good on you but i think that like it's really kind of cool to see these women like come into their own and realize that they can go run a marathon and still do all the things that they tabled from when they were 20 something right
1: yeah for sure yeah for sure it's amazing yeah
0: yeah so inspiring too. Like, I think that you learn more from your clients and I think this is in fitness in general. Like, I don't know how, where you stand on this, but would you agree that like the life experience that you got from working with people who were older, even just by a couple of years, like their wisdom that they were able to pass on to you or the way that they dealt with problems. Like I know something that I have learned really quickly and just recently with the personal experiences that I've gone through, I was like learning like the whole idea of respond, don't react.
1: For sure. I mean, yeah, for sure. And whenever you're... There's just so much value in whenever I was in the position at Burn Boot Camp as someone, as a male
0: mm-hmm.
1: in his mid-20s, being around a lot of women in their 30s who have who have families. And so I was able to just learn so much about... I would say sustainability.
0: Yeah, that's a good way like, to put
1: it. Like, because it w- in that time, I guess I didn't really grasp the the marathon that is life. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. so habits, habits that work in a, over two years, three years, five years. I learned a lot about that. And also, too, how to, like, manage your your mental, emotional state yeah. over a long period of time. And to to keep, like, the things that are important to you at the top of your priority list. Things like that. Yeah. I actually I actually feel like I learned a lot. I feel like I learned a lot from my clients, to be honest.
0: Yeah, I do too. And I, I think I still continue to do, and I think they get reinforced because I think in both of our situations, and I have no idea who and how you've kept in touch, but for me, like leaving that gym and then moving away in a situation that I never expected to happen, thought I was going to get married, did not, left Charlotte abruptly because I felt like for my mental state, that's just what I had to do. I can't tell you the just like sheer support and genuine support that I got from clients who were smart enough to know that Krista was not being Krista, and they just sent a text and said, "I don't know what's up. I don't need to know the details, but I just want you to know that I'm thinking about you, and I hope you're okay."
1: Yeah, um, that's beautiful. It's really cool. It's beautiful to matter to people.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good yeah. way of putting it. It really is, I and mean, it's just like it. It like. Confirms and reaffirms for all the times when you were like, I'm really tired and my alarm's going to go off at 4 10 and I got to be at the gym in 20 minutes and I'm really tired. And then I want to get to this question next. So this is a good segue. I have to leave my personal shit off the floor right now and just focus on these people. Mm-hmm. Is that's that was my biggest takeaway from the job. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like what you said about sustainability because for as funny as this is going to sound, like burn burn me out. And I did, I had a lot of trouble with this idea that, the work it took to be the trainer that I wanted to be like, I'm going to take some ownership for this. Like I set a very high standard for myself and I don't think that's a bad thing, but in some situations it can be, I'm working on this right now. Like I'm launching a business and I'm really launching three because I have my podcast. I have an online platform. I have my own personal brand with the Krista Huber. That's like four right there. And then I'm launching brick and mortar. I have one partner and she has a full-time job. So I have no issue I don't like, I don't want it any other way. Like she's there because she has a facet of the business that I know nothing about. She's a nurse and we're going to be doing injections. I'm not about to take a needle to anyone's face, but (laughs) I think like I have just this natural capacity to want to like go, 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 and do it all. And that job like allowed me to flourish in that type of environment because Mm -hmm. it was required. Mm -hmm. But there were some points where I took it to a new level because I was so obsessed with making sure that everyone had the best client experience that I just wouldn't let shit go. Mm -hmm. So, to circle it back to two points. First, like this whole idea of sustainability, let's hit that one. And then I'll move into the second one about like not being a hamster on this wheel. But with sustainability, I'm circling it back because you talked about this at the very beginning of the episode when you were describing how you've transitioned and expanded. Like, did you said you were a yes man at the time when I first met you? So- what's your mentality today like give me i guess give me a scenario of like an opportunity that at age 23 you would have been like fuck yeah let's go that now at age what 27 almost 28 you're mm-hmm. like uh uh-uh, uh i'm i'm i don't have the capacity for this
1: i feel like my whole mindset of like hyperactivity mm-hmm. being better like hyperactivity uh like let's say if i was trying to train 6 or 7 hours a day mm-hmm. well i couldn't give clients the best me for six or seven hours a day and accepting my limits um and also too also too not taking it personal if I'm not the right fit for somebody as a coach or as a trainer or whatever you know I think like by nature at that age I was very much like I wanted to please people, and Mm -hmm. if I couldn't please somebody, I took it personally rather than just, like, accepting that that's okay and I'm not, none of us is meant to be for everybody.
0: Yes, yeah, like, and, like, tell me this, like, would you agree that you're actually a better coach if you have the wherewithal to say to someone, look, like, these are your challenges and I can't meet those needs, so I'm going to do you one better and give you a referral for the coach that I know who can.
1: For sure. Yeah, for sure.
0: And it's really hard at age 23 to coming out of college. And I think I'm sure you could relate to this idea of like when you played basketball, you played at a very competitive school. Your team did well while you were there. You get a lot of love being a D1 athlete. You probably also got a lot of privileges and you're seen in a certain way. And in that time you probably did feel like you could be for everyone because like people were interested in that. And maybe I'm totally wrong. I don't want to speak for you, but like, what do you think about that? Like, have you ever thought about your transition from athlete, even from athlete college athlete in Germany, where you now are like a much smaller, smaller fish in a bigger pond? Like did any of that, that like, did you pick up on any of that there or was that something that changed now looking back on it four or five, six years later?
1: Well, to be honest, I feel like my journey as an athlete was so awesome, but the mm-hmm. the shadow the, the shadow aspect that was there was that uh, my sense of self was just really greatly inflated. So, yeah. I, I mean, I think more... That's
0: exactly what I mean.
1: Yeah, I feel like I thought, like, eh, I feel like I just... There's a lot of it's beautiful the the adrenaline and the pressure that comes with all eyes on you and you know if you perform mm-hmm. the the praise and and all of that but there is also this there's like a an amplified like paranoia that's not really real and so whenever you stop playing sports that doesn't just go away no, like you know you take and it's
0: that into everything you do
1: and it's not just it's not just like oh I want attention from everybody it's like literally. No, I didn't want attention from everybody, but you think that your decisions matter a lot more than they do because and that you're, you're actually
0: getting the attention when you're not
1: right, 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 right so um I think I think uh, that was something that probably to an extent is still is still a, something that I'm working through to be honest
0: I'm glad that you brought that up because. That's exactly how I felt when I broke off my relationship. I didn't post a thing on social media for four months and I was a ghost. And you want to know why? It wasn't because I could sit here and say, I just needed time to myself and that was a distraction. Fuck no, I'd be lying. It's because I was so worried that I now completely destroyed this perception of being like girl next door that I had created about myself. Like, I'm sure like your reaction to what I told you was very positive, of course, because what else are you going to say? Oh, that sucks. Like, yeah, it does suck, but it doesn't because it's led me on to bigger and better things and that was exactly what you said to me. You're like, "Cool. You're on to the next. Great. Good for you." Like, you know, shrug it off, like take it to the chin, keep moving. But for me, the whole reason why I became a ghost was because I was so embarrassed. I had this like like you said, it wasn't even inflated sense of self necessarily. Because, like, I think in the roles that we've both had, like, you definitely get a lot of love and you appreciate that. Like, I've never felt more loved than the day I actually left that job because I got flowers, cards. I had almost 100 people show up to my last workout. And, like, I cried when I was Mm -hmm. doing the finisher. Like, I had tears in my eyes. I couldn't, like, you know, get out my final countdown. And it was a great day. And it was amazing. And, like, I have so many pictures and memories and things to look back on. It was really cool. But... I felt like I let those people down and I, in like in such a twisted way, like Mm -hmm. I felt like I was this pillar of health. And for me, my mental state was so destroyed that I just felt like I couldn't go on Instagram until I was ready to be honest about who I was and what I was going through. And I wasn't ready to tell anyone that I had severe depression. And until I was, I made a promise to myself. I wasn't going to post on Instagram. And when I was ready I was going to say exactly what happened. And I don't hold that back. It's a part of my story. I'm honest about it. I was like clinically depressed. I had suicidal thoughts, um, things that I never expected. If you asked 18-year-old Krista, I was captain of the swim team, student council president, editor of the newspaper. I got into a school that had an 11% acceptance rate. And yeah, at that point, I probably didn't think, I probably thought my shit doesn't stink. So maybe that was the inflated sense of self. But like this idea that you think everyone is so worried about your problems they're not because look at 2020 everyone has so many problems that they're dealing with that yours are actually super small to the rest of the world around you and you want Mm -hmm. to think that you matter right but like what would you say to this like and you said you're still working on it which I think is a very honest answer so like what are some of the things that maybe you do differently today or think about differently today because you're just purely aware of that
1: well, I would say first that an an inflated sense of self isn't isn't necessarily this kind of like ego yeah. like yeah w- it's a different it's word, truly is you truly you're truly in a reality where you feel anxiety, you mm-hmm. feel depression, you feel paranoia and overwhelmed because you think that who you are and what you think and what you do matters more than it does yeah. and it doesn't it's not this kind of like actually. Uh, negative self-centered thing where no, you're just trying to you lift yourself being. right but right. like the fact of the matter is like and I've been there <laughs> you know my relationship with social media is still weird because I have an awareness of this thought process like you know you said you know I'm I'm gonna take four months off until I can come back and tell my truth and all of that and like no one cares. Right, exactly. No one cares. No one knew like that you, I wasn't there. But, you but it was create important that. to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then even even in in the community, I mean, you know, like I had a, you know, with the 600 whatever people at Burn Boot Camp, mm-hmm. and then with as fast as you built that gym, and, you know, you start to get like, a, you get this sense of like, you know, I quit or I got fired and mm-hmm. everybody's going to like,
0: talk about you. Right.
1: And maybe and, they will for yeah, like a week, a but then there's yeah. like, the no one cares. Like, no one really cares. Mm-hmm. Like, people have their whole own life. And I th- I think there's so many factors that come into that. I think that's just always going to be the shadow of being in a leadership position. Mm-hmm. And so it's good to go through these because it better prepares us for the next chapter to not have to take things personally. But also, I will say like, you know, that... that it, that's a poison that runs through runs through our our culture because yeah. because like we're sharing so much of our life on the internet it's 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 actually like it's psychotic like we really think that we matter more than we do and it's harmful it's harmful and like you know your struggles with mental health i empathize with that greatly and i know that there's so many hopefully so many people who are going to hear this that are in their in their 20s Um, or teens, or thirties, or or whatever the fuck. It's very real, and I think a a big step is to, like, kindly accept how you're creating an illusion that you matter more than you do.
0: How do you think you've developed the awareness that you were that way? Like, what, what did it take for you to be like, okay, I need to take a step back. Like, was it an event? Was it a book? Was it a move? Was it a person? And you don't have to if if it was a person, you don't have to name them. But sure. like, what? Well, I got because that takes like that takes a lot of self awareness. And I have to say, like, I didn't develop that self awareness in me until about two months ago. And interestingly enough, I think I now ask better questions. I have better relationships with my friends, and I've also dropped a lot of people. And I use the word dropped on purpose because. A lot of what I went through, I realized that my life in Charlotte was so tied to the person I was in my relationship. Not to him, but to the person I was because Mm -hmm. I was with him. And I created that girl. He doesn't take responsibility Mm -hmm. for that. But it made me realize that so many people in this city don't know the Krista that I want them to know. Mm -hmm. They only know the Krista in the context of my job, my relationship. So how did you realize that? What did it take?
1: I mean... Well, I would say, like, in the beginning, it was, like, like meditation. And so I started to become, like, aware that I'm, like, the observer of this experience. And so um, then I really started to connect with, like, my, like, emotions and my thought process. And it slowly, it was kind of like a snowball. I started to realize, like, very subtle aspects of my personality that came from, like, wanting to please people or ways that okay. I was told that I was. And so I started to kind of like strip down all these aspects of my personality that I felt like weren't really pure. Okay. Or ways that people excuse me, wanted me to be or ways that I thought people wanted me to be. And and so then and then I started to realize how mu- how many decisions I made because of the imaginary people that were watching my life. That care, that like, don't what? care, yeah. And I started. And you say to,
0: that now, and you're like, that literally sounds nuts. And I have to tell you, I'm so surprised. Like I'm writing this down because you never gave me the impression or energy that you cared about what other people think. And I don't know if that was. What do you think that was like a safety mechanism, like a defense mechanism? Because I didn't think I, just, I knew
1: I cared. Yeah. So I, I, I and I think I mean even at that time it. On a surface and deep mm-hmm. level, I didn't. This mm-hmm. was like subconscious. Okay. I wasn't even okay. aware of it. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, my personality self didn't care what people thought, but like underneath it, a lot of my decisions were rolled off of not wanting to disappoint people. Mm. And I made I made a lot of decisions and and contorted my personality in ways that I was trying to take emotional responsibility for a lot of people. And um, yes, yeah, it's pretty rough.
0: And I also think that right there is so easy to do in the fitness industry because you want to relate to your clients and then like you convince yourself, because I did this in my relationship and frankly, that's what made it unravel. I wanted to carry the weight for that person and carry their hardship so much so that the minute when the shoe dropped on the other foot and I was the one who needed help, he didn't have the capacity to help because he didn't know how because I never allowed him to. So maybe it's a vulnerability thing. Maybe it's a defense mechanism for me. But I think it was so easy to operate that way because I did it at work all the time.
1: Yeah, it's a big lesson. I mean, so uh, I understand. And I think think the biggest thing is whenever you're helping somebody out in a professional setting, that's your job. But in your personal life, in your friendships, in your relationships, that's your choice. And Mm -hmm. It's very easy for people to i mean, and I know I've done it too like to you you create a new person inside of a relationship and a big it's very big to like try to be aware of that and to try to allow yourself to be like as authentic as possible because we're humans, so like if the version of Chris or the version of Krista that you create is there is holding space for another person's mess then. You know, you you start to develop this like expectation that it's going to be reciprocated, but that's your fault. Yeah. That's your fault because that's huge. because that's um, huge.
0: Sound like that's Donald hu- Trump? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no comment. Yeah. Um We, if you're gonna hold space for somebody, if you're gonna be there for somebody, if you're gonna like take on another person's personness mm-hmm. that yeah. we all have, it has to be a very conscious decision because. The person owes you nothing. They don't owe it to you to receive that. And it's like, oh, I'm down now. And I I mean, and I'm saying this, but I've asked for it before and it (laughs) wasn't given. And and I and I went through the whole process of like wanting to place blame and wanting to say, like, this person is at a lower level. I would have never done that. But the reality is, is like, it was me who made who made the decision to give support and time and energy that I didn't have. And so to expect it back from them, I mean, it's not real. It's like
0: you're imprinting what you what are your values because it's your value that you want to be that way. Like you decided that you want to be that way and you're expecting theirs to align. And I think you're expecting theirs to align just because you're dating them. So you like assume that, oh, if I'm dating this person and we've made it this long, our values must be the same, but that's not necessarily true. And I don't think they have to be, you don't have to like, fundamentally there are certain things that are non-negotiables, right? But at the same time, there are certain things that like, maybe you should differ on that because your partner challenges you and that makes, you better and it makes them better and vice versa. And so, Well, yeah. I
1: damn sure ain't no I damn sure ain't no relationship expert for anybody <laughs> listening, but uh you said the word expect like 3 mm-hmm. times and I know yeah. th- you start building up those things. Shit gets Sheesh. weird, right? Expectations. Right? So, I mean, communication. And yeah. like if if you're natural if part of your love language is leading and problem solving, which I feel as though maybe for both of us it is. Mm-hmm. You you really have to be conscious about where to draw the line in your personal relationships, friendships yeah. included, because like oh, yeah. being a friend, being a friend does not mean solving people's problems no, for them. Being a doesn't. good being a good boyfriend or girlfriend or husband and wife like we all we all have our own path and like struggle is valuable. And so um in a work setting, in a team setting, in a gym setting, when you're a coach, a leader, the manager, whatever, you have a responsibility to problem solve. But like, you have to, over time, let life teach you like when to turn that off.
0: Yeah, I actually it can, have uh, learned that really recently.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um,
0: because of what I've gone through from a mental health standpoint, I found myself in a situation where I felt like I had a person in my life who um, was dealing with some mental health challenges. And I tried to point it out, and they flipped out. And they don't speak to me anymore. And that's fine. But I felt like for me, I did my duty to be like, hey, I'm seeing some behavior that I saw in myself. So I feel like I can identify it. And I just want to put it out there that I would, I would like to help you get help if you think that you need it. The person didn't think that they needed it. We got into an argument and it turned out that They brought other people into it, but I did too because I was so concerned, but I made it my my mission to try to help them and then those people didn't like me either and I have to let it go. Like they set the boundary that they didn't want my help. They didn't want to hear from me and it is what it is and I they know that I wish them nothing but the best and I think they know deep down that I had their best intentions at heart, right? But regardless of the topic, like first of all, mental health is such a hard thing to talk about and I'm trying to create space for it not to be. I mean, like one of the pillars of um, my future business is going to be incorporating a five minute meditation at the end of every one of my workouts, because I think that clients need to learn how to meditate so much so that I also want to offer counseling services on site at my gym, because I really think there is going to be an easy way to point to this idea that like, let's say somebody came into a studio and, um, they did a 20-minute cognitive therapy session, and then they did Chris's workout. If I had to bet, and I don't want to be a betting person, but in this case, I feel like the odds are high in my favor, that workout is going to be better. Just because of the twenty minutes they spent talking to someone about their problems or what they perceive to be problems that probably aren't that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things. So hopefully, this whole idea of talking about that stuff doesn't become like is not a taboo in the future. But we have a lot of work to do to get there. But I think like to just circle back to what you said about friendships. Yeah, like I probably crossed the line for that person, but I couldn't see it at the time (laughs) because I just wanted to help them.
1: I'm glad you said it. Yeah, yeah, but it's a lesson. It's a lesson. And, I, and, I, so think it's, and it. I think it's kind I think it's kind hearted But like I just Like I am I am learning That like it's And this is my opinion yeah. It's like That's wrong To try to like To I, I, I don't think it I don't If you feel like a person Is endangering You really care yeah. about them Yeah you need to right, speak right, up right. You need to be there For yeah. your person For anybody But like to take on like, oh, I know how to solve your life problems. Sure, it's actually exactly. it's like demeaning to yeah. somebody. And um I've done that shit so many times yeah. and I thought I was being like a good guy or right. the good and guy. It's hard or helping. because
0: it's like I think you would agree with this. And this is how I kind of made peace with it. Like I know I was leading with like kindness. Like it was coming from a place of good intention. So like I'm gonna be able to sleep at night and know that I tried. But like in that situation in particular, I was so I felt some type of way because unfortunately, like it backfired, like they took to social media and called me out and said that I was imprinting my own mental health state onto them. And like for me that just crossed the line and got to a situation where I was just like, all right, clearly like we're mm-hmm. not going to be friends anymore. And that's okay. Like you set the boundary. I'm respecting the boundary maybe we can come back around in a couple months, years, weeks, whatever, and revisit. But if we can't, we had a good run. You're in relationships with people for reasons and seasons, and I've made peace with that. However, I think, like, I was so bent out of shape that I felt that I was worried in the context of this year that that person was alone because of, like, isolation and jobs and all that jazz that I was just like, shit. But then I made it about me because I did make it about me in the sense of, like, I just wish somebody said something to me sooner because in my case, I think I was depressed a lot longer than I ever noticed. And if it wasn't for my little brother, I would have never picked up on it and Mm -hmm. he lived with me. So he saw it. I couldn't see it in myself. And so I wonder if like, I think I just like got this mentality of like, it's really hard for people to see when their mental state is not okay because we play tricks on ourselves and we convince ourselves, oh, it's fine. And I had another podcast episode where I was talking to a nutritionist about this, a dietitian, And he said to me, my friend Sanan, he was like, it's our culture of our generation to breed this mentality. And it goes back to your point of being a yes man that like, if our mental state is off, oh, it was just a hard week at work. Oh, I just like had this situation with my girlfriend. Oh, like you know, we brush it off and blame it on something else. So, what what do you do with that? Like, how do you how do you combat that mentality?
1: I mean, it all goes back for, for me. Yeah, for it's you. like it's truly powerful to just understand. Like earlier, you said like how much like we're creating our our perceived problems. Mm-hmm. A lot of the problems are perceived. A lot of the problems are self created. A lot of the problems, like, are really only because you think more people care than actually do. And if that is not the case, if you're truly having situations in your life, I think, like, the two actually go hand in hand. Like, everyone, a lot of everybody has problems. You know, like Mm -hmm. what you see on the internet and what you see on your phone, like, everybody's on there talking about they're not you know talking about their weaknesses on there no everyone has problems and so having the have developing like an awareness of your of your like state where you don't feel good and you can understand yeah. like okay I don't feel good like this is normal but I, I think a lot of us are chronically have chronic mental health problems so mm-hmm. much so that I think as I you did. mentioned you may not even be conscious of it yeah. so I mean damn if I had to answer for that
0: We'd be. Uh, I'd help a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People, yeah but sure, hopefully, sure. just thinking about okay. it. Sorry, no, you're good. Hopefully, just thinking about it right now, and even like speaking that situation into existence is enough to get someone who's way more qualified than the two of us. Yeah. To I mean, start I truly
1: feel it. as though like there's a lot of things. There's a lot of things that can be created that create like a, a huge positive effect. For example, just gym culture. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's something that's beautiful, that was beautiful, very beautiful about Burn Boot Camp. That's something that's very beautiful about sports teams. Sure. Some sports teams, some work environments is that there's this level, there's such a level of closeness and intimacy and people committed to their goal that... It becomes a safe space, you know. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think the most valuable thing that I experienced as an athlete, you know, and playing on teams was, like, overcoming conflict. Overcoming conflict, getting guys to accept their roles, being able to be teammates with somebody who you, would, you wouldn't be friends with if it, oh, if it yeah. wasn't for that. It's incredibly, it's incredibly valuable in um, being, having a safe space to be, to be vulnerable and um i mean i think that i think that like as health professionals you know or whenever i was a health professional and you going deeper into this i love your concept about you know it's so much more than the physical totally. it's so much more than the physical um the mental the physical the mental the, the spiritual or you know the soulful how whatever makes the listener comfortable in that it's all one. It is all one. You know what I'm saying? Like you mm-hmm. can, there's people who. Hell yeah. You, and, and you've been around it long enough to know that like exercising does not equal healthy. It's kind of like, nope. you, why are you exercising? You know, yeah. some, of What's the, your why? some of the most fit people are in very unhealthy mental states. I, and I think some that was people, totally me. Some people who externally aren't, you know, aren't, aren't like mainstream fit. Mm-hmm. Uh, are the most happy, whole, grounded, joyful, full lights in this world. And so, um, you know, there's the shadow to being a obsessively uh, obsessive over your nutrition. Sure. You know, it's I was like, okay, ask you that yeah, question is that next. getting weird? Yeah, uh-huh. I, I've gotten weird before. Yeah. And I'm not, and I am not a female, right. you know, and, and I say that because. You've like, tried
0: to be what? When you were a burn athlete, what was your body fat percentage? What did it have to be? Like,
1: I don't know. It was something low. low. Like it was 7
0: percent It was 6 or 7%. And you look great right now and if I had to guess you're probably happier than uh, when you were living uh, at 6% body
1: fat. Um I'm, I'm I'm I feel like western fitness is still putting side of is 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 what am I trying to say? I feel like you know here in America that our mainstream fitness takes a lot of the pillars and markers and side effects of wellness and places them as the goal. So, like, That's what I mean—
0: a solid statement. Yeah. Think that down. So, That's big.
1: So, what I mean is that, like, I feel as though your physical appearance, your skin having a glow, <laughs> your, <laughs> um, you know, how many calories you're eating— what type of workout you're doing, all of these, like, all of these are, like, side effects, and I think that we're just now beginning to get into, like, the core of, like, you know, of your wellness, of your wellness being the, being the leader, of your mental state, how you feel about yourself, how you feel about your life. Maybe you're thinking about yourself too much, yeah. you know? <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. so... um I feel as though like a lot of times we want to like solve or or we make the symptoms of like okay you know get to get to this weight get to this body fat percentage get to this pant size dress size I was about to say shoe size but I, think-, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think that's kind of controlled, Chris. Yeah, um,
1: <laughs> but you know those things those things are only side effects of being like a well. Okay person. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so um yeah, it kinda sucks. It's, it's rough. And it and, and then and then the, the ideas just are very they perpetuate so quickly mm-hmm. because of how we share information. Right. And,
0: and like caring about looks and that sure. using that like look like my nutrition business would be nothing if I couldn't take transformation photos of my clients. And I'm not going to stop right, taking them because right. of what you just said. However, right. going back to the nutrition piece, because it's just an easy example to drive this point home, same podcast that I had with Sinan, he said to me, and it's, I th- we also thought it was a generational thing, and I'd love your input on this, He has a lot of clients, so kind of like you, athletic background. He went from uh, ventures such as being the personal nutritionist for a few guys on the U.S. Olympic ski team to now working for a company called Stronger You, and they helped me with my, like, everything I know about macros, literally everything, um, my own personal transformation and really like changing one, my food environment to my relationship with food. And three, just how like I look at my day in terms of planning and most importantly, habits, not making foods off limits, not really caring about what the actual number is on the scale with the pants size, dress size, whatever. But the one thing I said to him was you know, like what kind of mindset did you have to change as the coach to go from someone who is so performance-based and their goal being like, okay, I have to hit this time or hit this event or X, Y, Z. Like that's very cut and dry, right? Like mm-hmm. I was a swimmer. So, or you playing basketball, you put up a certain number of points and mm-hmm. it is what it is mm-hmm. to the everyday, call it an athlete if you want, call it the everyday athlete. Like maybe I'm an everyday athlete now, but I said to him, I was like, you also get a lot of people who are severely obese and like by their doctor's standards will have a heart attack in the next five years. Mm -hmm. So what is that like? And to sum it all up, he said to me, because I asked the question, what's the biggest difference you see between clients who are in their 50s versus clients who are 22? And his response was this, 22-year-old vanity. It's all about looking a certain way. And he said to me, he was like, look, I'll call you out. Like you and I have had this conversation. Like you're a fitness professional. You want to have your abs. You need it for photos on Instagram. Hell yeah. I'm not going to sit here and deny that. Like I'm not happy with how I look right now because – Like I'm sitting here and my pants feel a little tight, but guess what? I'm so much happier than I was a year ago than I was two years prior to that. And probably three years before that in 2018, I was in the best fucking shape of my life. But I also know that there were certain things about my lifestyle that were different. I transitioned from a desk job to working at burn. If you ever wore an Apple watch, we probably got, I can tell you, we got 24 to 25,000 steps a day. That's insanity. That is not normal but it helped me stay lean and it helped me stay fit. Fast forward though to somebody who is in their fifties, the number one thing they care about when they hire a coach, and this isn't for everyone, but I think it is more for like the extremities of someone who's literally being told that they're shortening their life expectancy by the choices that they've made thus far they like wanna go to the doctor and like take a blood panel prior to cleaning up their diet and then do one in six months. If they see cholesterol levels have changed, blood like sample is a totally different, totally different, like heart, totally different they're happy. Mm-hmm. They use that as a marker of their mm-hmm. results. So mm-hmm. do you agree that it's a generational thing or do you think it's a much bigger problem? And to reiterate what you just pointed out, it's because of like our mindset towards like what a person's goal should be in fitness and in health.
1: Yeah. I think, I mean, it gener- I think as you, as you mature or yeah. I think as you mature, like you can take all of it in. Yeah. I think you can also too take all of it in, and yeah. there's nothing wrong with wanting to. F- yeah, I want to feel good. Yeah, I want to have great, like you know, biomarkers, but mm-hmm. I want to look good too. I think generally, like as a person, as a person understands, you know, gets deeper into what does it mean to me to be healthy, they're going to expand beyond just the just the aesthetic, but. I'm not going to sit here and say the aesthetic doesn't matter, isn't important because we all value that. And that's all right.
0: Of course. And I think you hit a really great point that I've not thought about up until you just said it. But I think like that's happened for me personally, because now I'm trying to create what I would honestly call a self-care utopia. So my future business will have and might not start with all these pillars, but it has five components that I want it to have. Mental health coaching and meditation, Reiki, all that jazz fitness concept of course some sort of like pilates or cardio like combination with like treads and mega formers as like the you know like the signature workout and then it's going to have nutrition with a coffee smoothie bar it'll have recovery which is like cryotherapy fst shit like that mm-hmm. and then um the last piece is it's going to have aesthetics it's going to have botox fillers injections a whole med spa and so for me, I think that the reason why I'm attracted to that idea, Now first of all, there's a gap in the market in terms of the fact that like, first of all, as a female consumer, I have memberships to spin studios, yoga studios, eyelash studios, hair places, Botox, fillers, all that shit. Like why do I have to go to 17 stores to get that done? That's just like the practicality. That's really secondary. But the second point is I feel that there needs to be a space where it is all-encompassing. So like why not have that doctor on staff who can take care of the mental piece and then also have that personal trainer who can take care of the physical and then to take it even a step further, talking about aesthetic, like – A lot of people might push back to me and be like, okay, well, if you're going to preach this whole platform of being real authentic and have mental health, why would you offer Botox as a service? Well, guess what? People who are happy are happy because they look in the mirror and they like what they see. And if that means that they want their lips to be a little bigger, let me help them do it. That's kind of my mentality for it. So maybe that's a sign. I don't know that I've matured. I like to think so. Or at least I've matured enough in my, like the world of fitness as both a professional and a consumer to realize that there's space for that because it hasn't existed yet. I don't know. Mm -hmm. So that wasn't really a question. Just kind like <laughs> it, no, it's great. processing it's great. what you're it's saying. Great. So no, it's great. Yeah. Um, so let's see, I guess at this point, the other burning question I have for you right now is like, you told me a little bit before the podcast wh- that you're starting to dabble in art. Um, you were surprised that I remembered this, but Chris was a communications major and I remembered because I was too. Um, but <laughs> we talked about the paint and i kind of want to know like where you see yourself going next you just mentioned to me last week you got your yoga certification what are you planning on doing with that and like if you could listen to this podcast a year from today where do you hope you'll be
1: i'll start there if i could listen to this podcast a year from now i would just hope that i am living in a way where like i'm i'm expressing like my true gifts mm-hmm. and and being in a in a true way that allows me to like love what I'm doing every day and it and it impact people, and so for a while for for many seasons, that was me and for fitness, and I just I don't want to say outgrew it, I just grew Went in into a different yeah, and that's yeah. it, and so like um, I'm in a spot in my life right now where I've got you know a a skill set as an entrepreneur, and I'm very creative and I love people. And I know that that's going to be valuable, whatever path I take. And what I've experienced over you know the last year or so, in terms of like transforming uh, my life and, and healing a lot of aspects of myself that I was either unconscious of or in denial of, I've really allowed myself to become in some ways like a child again so I'm like I'm I'm experimenting so I'm experimenting with different art forms I'm experiencing or experimenting with video content photography and music and writing and clothing design and all kind of stuff and so like in a year I would just hope that whatever I'm doing I'm having fun and I can and I and I feel like if I'm having fun with it, I can help it help other people. I can make money. I can do whatever, and uh, I just feel like I just feel like having a truthful experience that's true for me is really what matters most now. Yeah, I
0: like that, and I can tell you, just you know, time. I, I don't like the like idea that like time heals because I think that's bullshit. Like I think that that's different for everybody, uh, and I've experienced this conversation a lot recently because people keep asking me if I'm okay. Because I keep throwing myself into things and I think there's an expectation that, oh, I, I was with a person for four years. I nearly committed my entire world to them, almost married them. So how after almost eight months after that decision to not go that path anymore, how could you possibly be okay? I started dating again, meeting new people. It's hard to do in a pandemic, but as best as I can. And a lot of people like think that I'm not okay and that's the reason for me staying busy and whatever. And I actually like totally disagree with that because I feel like everyone processes things differently. Everyone copes differently. And for me in the time that I shut down for four months, I kind of did a lot of what you're talking about. Like I absolutely did nothing, nothing. I, I didn't even work out a lot. And I can't believe I'm saying that because it was so like, I didn't recognize myself. I'm like, but I had the time to like take a step back and be like, well, who the fuck are you? So much so that a couple, like not even a month ago, I was talking to a friend who I don't know that well and have gotten to know much better over the course of the last few months. Cause like I said earlier, I'm asking better questions and having conversation that's more impactful and profound and like whatever. And they said to me, I like just out of nowhere, they were like, I want to know who the fuck you are, like to your core, like tell me like, not like the social media person, not The sister, daughter, friend, whatever. And I've brought this up a lot in other conversations with other friends because I feel like it's an important question that no one asks. And I think, had I had that conversation with my significant other, maybe we wouldn't have even made it as long as we did. And that would have been okay. Like, because I never asked him, like, who are you? And I think fundamentally, if I understood that, we wouldn't have been in a relationship as long. And like, to go back to this concept of time, it's like, you, like so many people have said to me, why didn't you figure this out sooner? Because we had values that were drastically different. And it was simply because, like, the context of the situations we were going through over the time that we were dating never made it come to surface. And we probably weren't vulnerable enough with each other to ask the questions that we really needed to ask mm-hmm. to be in the relationship that pff, truthfully we probably both want. Um, because we weren't right for each other. This wasn't a one-sided thing. And I think he sees that now. I just mm-hmm. picked up on it sooner. And I'm going back to this concept of time because, like, I think that like to to ta- take in and process what you just said, I haven't seen you in three years, maybe more at this, almost more at this point, going on four, even just like the way you talk is very different. And it, these are all positive things. Um, so take with it what you will. Thank you, thank but you, also, thank you. You are um a lot more thoughtful in your word choice, and you're a lot uh, you take a lot longer to talk, like to actually say something. You process what the person's saying first, and I see it in your eyes, like I see you thinking. And I saw it as soon as we sat down before we started recording the podcast because we were like catching up about mutual friends and people that we knew. and I could tell like I was giving you a lot of information and you were like, trying to work through it. And I wasn't even expecting you to give me a response. Like it was literally just me telling you like, here's what happened in my life. Here are the players that affected both of us. Here's where they are now. And I wasn't even like, I think a lot of people and I'm bringing this up because I think a lot of people knowing like me and knowing you would have expected us to like, or not even knowing us, actually I should say like most people having that conversation, it would have been like, oh, let's like gossip about this. And that was literally not the purpose of me saying any of it. It was just literally like, hey, just so you know, X, Y, Z things have happened to me. I'm sure a lot more shit has happened to you. If you wanna share it, cool. But if not, I just want you to know that whatever has happened in your life since has probably made a really big impact on you. And even at the time, if you couldn't see, that situation kind of sucked it was the best thing that ever happened and it was more of like not even a validation but just like a confirmation because you probably figured it out yourself you didn't need me to tell you that but like a confirmation that like there was a plan and it was meant to happen and to your point earlier like we're supposed to go through a struggle and we're not supposed to try to fix people's struggles like let it let it happen let it ride
1: so that was really awesome thanks yeah you saying that was very powerful I'll probably remember that more than anything about this podcast. So that's thank very cool. you. And, and it is very true. Yeah. And same for you, my thank friend. Thank you. I yeah. appreciate that.
0: And I want to ask you, because for me, that ability of what I just described has come from meditation. And I want to know if that's true for you. And I want to know what does meditation mean to you and what does it look like for you?
1: For sure. Meditation at this point has, I, I would almost say like, It's changed my entire relationship Mm -hmm. with reality. I think that uh, I had had, like, moments of, like, pure consciousness very early on in life. And so, like, I was always kind of aware, like, I am not, like, this voice in my brain. I am not, like, that's not the essence that I am. But I didn't really know what was going on until about, like, 24... I really just got interested in it. I was just in the rabbit holes on YouTube and learning mm-hmm. and reading a lot of books like the Joe Dispenza. Yeah, yeah. And it started Did someone there. tell
0: you like, hey, you should meditate or what?
1: No, I just like, I, I feel like I just became interested in it because a lot of the people who I want and wanted to be like were into meditation and okay. so I was like I just need to learn more about it yeah and then, like you
0: studied their routine and you were right, and it I should be in yours
1: the human beings who I looked up to were meditating okay. and so whenever I began to meditate and like find this stillness behind my personality behind my thoughts it really just started to like change things for me mm-hmm. and I really didn't had no idea until this year, you know in the in the last two or three years I had been doing it, but really this year, whenever I entered a season of like just being really like life was changing a lot, mm-hmm. and a lot of my personality began to shed, and it was really like I needed it, I needed it, and i and I had to go to that space a lot because whenever I would come forward into this self that I'm talking to you now, yeah, the Chris I didn't know who this Chris was. And this Chris was changing, was shedding, was evolving, was transforming, was healing, was facing himself, was forgiving himself, was forgiving others, and all this shit. And so, like, whenever I would come forward, it was, like, the me who I thought I was or wanted to present was, like, very shaky. Okay. And so, like, coming back into that, like, groundedness.
0: Came from um, meditation. Right. Right. Cool, yeah, that's, that's awesome. I love that. I also think like hearing that from you actually in a lot of ways makes me feel a little bit better about what I said before when I said that I've like dropped some friends and like have had people come in and out of my life because I think like maybe for me, I'm in the shaky place and like i I feel confident in who I am, but I'm shaky in that. I'm not sure how others will receive it. But I'm Mm, confident in that. It doesn't really matter how they'll receive it because it goes back to the point of earlier of what we said. It's like if you're going to actually step into this statement and believe it and speak it into existence of like you don't actually care about what other people think of you, Mm -hmm. then you're okay with that chapter with that person closing and it is what it is. And it's just like I'll find like I'm not going to find someone to replace them, but like there'll be different people that come into my life for different purposes, and that's
1: right, right, and and. The people who who are attracted into your life and what you're doing as a career, like, the the deeper and deeper you can go on that dive of being, like, who you truly are. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, these podcasts, you yeah. know. I
0: it, learned a lot about myself in the last 20 minutes.
1: You're at peace with however it's received. Somebody's right. going to say, oh, that's a bunch of bullshit. Sure. Somebody, Somebody's going to... But, like, if you just are really being who you are, you don't care. It's whenever we try to, like, it's whenever we try to go into performance mode that we try to, like, that we get so, like, oh, how will this be perceived? But, like, if you just being your real self, you care a lot less.
0: Yeah, and you know that other people, like, for as many people who are going to receive it and, like you said, think it's, like, a front or fake or whatever, there's going to be someone else that listens to that this and is, like, shit. I need to take inventory of my life. I need to reevaluate something, or at least that's the hope, right? Even if even if that doesn't happen, I literally could care less because, like, we reconnected in the last hour. I haven't seen you in a long time. That's quality time that we spent together. You gave me some things to think about, to put into practice in my own life, and, like, that's cool. So I got something out of it, and hopefully you could say the same.
1: Me too. Well, even just the fact that you're doing this, um, you have, like, a much more... You have your personality has evolved or I feel like I feel like just the real you has come out to the mm-hmm. surface. And so that can be sensed. And like hearing you talk about your business plans and hearing you, you know, wear your life experiences on your sleeve to share. I think it's I think it's really beautiful because like people may have their judgments Wherever they hear, or watch this, or whatever. But like you're going through that shit too. You just don't want nobody to know. Yeah,
0: exactly, girl,
1: boy. Yeah. So shut up. <laughs> so, but it's
0: so it's that's so true. It's so true. Like, and I think like th- that means so much to me because to take it a step further, it's like I know those people are out there going through it, mm-hmm. and so my life's mission. Like, and someone asked me this too, like, and it's interesting what you just said, that you feel like my real personality is shining through because the same person made the same comment. It was the same person who asked, who are you? Like, who is Krista Huber? Like, to, to her deepest point of her being, um, also said that when we met, they felt as though there was something about me that I was holding back and I was reining in because I was worried about a perception something like I was worried about some external factor and so I couldn't be myself and I think I didn't even recognize it at the time and so I was like kind of like whoa you you see something in me and I don't even know you like that like I Mm -hmm. literally like haven't even known this person for like a year like Mm -hmm. maybe six months and we've only gotten to know each other better and they've become a really great friend fantastic business mentor partner for like a lot of opportunities that we both will have in the future and it's super cool because like knew the guy in Charlotte and we like barely interacted. And now I moved to New Jersey and I talked to him daily, which is like, it's funny how small the world is too. Right. And like our ability to be that way. Yeah. Um. So I think there's just like so much value in that. And like, that makes me feel like, okay, I am living out the truth that I want to, but more so. And to my overarching point is like, I can only hope that my mission in life is to like be so upfront about who I am and literally wear my experiences on my sleeve. Like you said, to the point where it maybe will spark just one more person to feel the same way. Like, I can't even tell you, like, I think the coolest thing that's happened to me in the last six months, I got a message. I, the first time I ever went on to my Instagram and, and literally spelled out, broke off my engagement. This is why here's with, without all the personal details, but enough that I could drive the point home. I got a message from a woman who lived in Texas. I had no idea who she was. She had three little girls. She was married for 16 years and she found me because basically she said to me that she was watching another woman's podcast who, who sparked my reasoning for coming out and saying this. So I watched that podcast too. And so that woman or listened to it. So that woman then shared my story on her page. So she was following this person who is way more famous than any of us. And she was like, I found you. I stumbled upon you. And she was like, I just want you to know that two weeks ago I walked away from my 16 year marriage. I think I've made a really scary decision, but there's something in my gut that's telling me it was right. Today was the worst day of my life. I have no idea who you are, but I just want you to know that somebody meant for me to watch this video and I hope you realize that I'm so thankful that you had the vulnerability to put that on the internet for everyone to see. Like that's literally sitting on Google alongside my stupid, wedding registry from Crate and Barrel that I can't get the fuck down. So it's just like you have these two different personalities as to like who you might be on the internet. Mm -hmm. But I just know at the end of the day that I'm like the one I want to be. And I said to her, I was like, that just made my day for sure." because you're 40 something years old. You have three kids and I could learn a few things from you. And you're telling me you learned something from me. And I said to her, I was like, If there's something that's going to allow you to, like, hang your hat on the decision you made, you have three daughters who now know that they're not supposed to be treated a certain way. And they can have the courage and confidence to walk away from a situation that is no longer serving them. And that's so powerful. That
1: is. That's very powerful. That's a great story. I mean, just being yourself, you know. Yeah, and, and the you universe see the will show it has. You. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's beautiful.
0: Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. So, we talked a lot, and I know you got to run, and I want to be respectful of your time. Last thing I do on all of my episodes is a lightning round. So, like, okay,
1: let's go. 45
0: seconds, I'm just going to throw shit out there. Okay. If you have more to expand on, that's cool. Like, if you want to say a little bit more and it's not lightning anymore, that's all right. But I'll, I'll rapid fire the questions. So, here goes. And I don't write these out in advance, they just. They just fly. All right,
1: let's go. So,
0: favorite sports team?
1: Dallas Cowboys. Really? Yeah, it hurts. Thanks, okay. Dad.
0: <laughs> oh, that's your dad's fault? All yes. right. I wasn't expecting <laughs> to say that. Um, favorite sport to watch?
1: Basketball. Yeah, yeah. Always.
0: Oh, is it your favorite sport to play, too?
1: Not anymore. Probably fishing. Let's count fishing. Oh, you? Grew up fishing. Okay. Yeah. All
0: right. You're just an enigma over there. I was not expecting that. I know, right? Uh, yeah. Um. <laughs> favorite way to meditate because there's a lot of ways to do it.
1: Your um, preferred method? I I like to go I like to be outdoors. I like to go into nature and do it and I would I would definitely say like transcendental.
0: Okay. If you could take away one lesson from 2020, what would it be?
1: Be yourself
0: like that. Uh what what current art project are you working on?
1: Um I am designing a backdrop for vintage clothes that I'm going to be selling
0: cool where where are you collecting your vintage pieces
1: so I've been going to like thrift stores all in north and south carolina what's the
0: coolest thrift you found in the last month
1: oh um I found like I found a 19 I found a 1999 6xl Rock <laughs> leather rock aware coat. And I mean rock-a-wear. I can't wear it. What yet. a
0: throwback.
1: Right. It, like to fit it, you're gonna have to be like six, eight, three hundred pounds, <laughs> like or more, but it's wow. pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty Where did cool. you
0: find it? What store?
1: Uh, I found it at a store in, in Rock Hill, I believe. And I just really? like, was like, okay, this For is For context, awesome.
0: Rock Hill is about 20 minutes away from Charlotte, like yeah. 20 miles maybe. Yeah. It's technically a suburb, but it's in South Carolina. Because if you've never looked at a map, and I didn't until I moved to Charlotte, <laughs> I didn't know how far west it really was. Wow, that's so cool. What's your favorite medium of art to be working with right now? Cause you threw out photography. Right now,
1: yeah. Right now, I mean, it changes every day. Right now, I would probably say photography. Even though, even though I don't feel like I have any real like chops, right? Or like even even yeah yeah, and even I don't even really. like have like a big vision for it. It's just like, it's fun some days. Like photography leads you to cool places Mm -hmm. in the city. Like in the, I just always end up somewhere cool when I feel like taking (laughs) pictures. Like, so it's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's cool.
0: Like I had no idea that you were going to tell me that you were working on some art. So if you could think back to 16 year old Chris, 20 year old Chris, and this is where we're going to end it. Mm -hmm. um, What would you say to him that you wish you knew back then? Or, yeah, that. Like, what would you say to him that you wish you knew back then that maybe would have... And I know you don't regret anything, and I know you don't wish a different trajectory for your life, but maybe you would have gotten... Like, if you do truly like where you are now, what do you wish you could have said to him that would have gotten you to this place faster if that was your goal?
1: Pay, Pay very close attention to how you feel. Pay very close attention to how you feel, like, intuitively and on the inside. Like... Pay more attention to how you feel and less attention to what you're thinking. And that'll bring you what you want a lot faster. That's really cool.
0: And what skill or mindset or tactic do you think has since allowed you to notice that? Is it journaling, meditation, self-reflection?
1: All three of those, I would say, I would say all three of those are like kind of leading me on a path of like Mm -hmm. of self-love. Cool. Unconditional self love is what I'm working on, and so I got to keep working on it. <laughs> <I love> it. <laughs> but it's no, it's, hey, it's,
0: th- let's let's emphasize the unconditional, bold that shit because that's so hard.
1: For sure, for sure, for sure. And I think like society, our our world that we live in will put a will put a lot of like. Uh, Qualifications on you mm-hmm. to like give yourself like some approval and and you know the sooner as you have mentioned a few times like the sooner you can just be okay with who you are, you're more free so true
0: well, Chris, thank you so much. that thank was awesome you so much. I loved it. I feel like we could sit in and- I think we're going to need to get some cold brew and enough time to discuss this a little bit further. But you're a rock star. You always have been. I can't wait to see what else you're going to do with the rest of this year into 2021. I'm excited to follow along your journey and hopefully be a part of it in some capacity. So... Thanks again for everybody listening to this. We hope you got some value out of it. And last thing, Chris, what is your shameless plug? Like, where do you want to send people? If you're about to launch this vintage situation, tell me where I can get more of that once you're ready to drop it.
1: Find me on Instagram, Chris Wilson Frequency. Who knows what you'll see by the time you hear this, but I'm pretty (laughs) sure it'll be fucking dope.
0: Sweet. Thanks, man. Thank you. Have a good rest of your day. (laughs)